Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. In this episode, I'm thrilled to welcome Chelsea Williams back to the podcast. Chelsea is an anxiety coach for teens and parents. When she first joined me on the podcast back in episode eight, Chelsea brought a ton of value for my listeners. And now she's back again with some very timely and relevant advice for parents. During our conversation, Chelsea talks about how to create a more flexible nervous system and why showing our teens our own vulnerability will help them learn how to navigate through their own anxiety. Chelsea also shares her strategy for calming the body before trying to calm the mind. A lot of what Chelsea recommends applies to both teens and adults, so this is a must-listen for anyone who struggles with anxiety. And let's be honest, this year has been a challenge. So I feel pretty certain there is something here for just about everyone. Now let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks so much for being here again on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Hi, Betsy. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you back. For my listeners who might not have heard your first episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast, you were on back in episode eight, which is uh, mind-blowing to me that it was like over a year ago and 50 episodes ago. So a lot has changed in so many ways over the past year, but a lot has changed in your life. So why don't you give my audience a little bit of an update of kind of who you are and what you do, but also kind of how your business has evolved over the past year? Sure. Um, so I am a trauma-informed anxiety coach, and I have sort of niched down officially to that during this year uh, because, of course, there's a big demand for it. But also I, just being an entrepreneur, things tend to evolve over time. Um, and I, so last year I was sort of focusing more on the academics, helping a lot of teens with, you know, applying to college and stuff because of my tutoring background. Um, but that's kind of, uh, luckily officially evolved into the coaching because I was sort of unofficially doing coaching for a long time anyway, as a tutor, but parents didn't necessarily know what it was and they didn't, you know, it, it makes more sense to kind of work with people in an academic capacity, get to know them, you know, for parents, it was a little more comfortable that way. So honestly, you know, it took me a while to actually jump in to saying, okay, this is what I do. I'm an anxiety coach. Um, because a lot of people go, what the heck is that? <laughs> um, but now I'm, I'm feeling like there's some momentum with that. And obviously a huge need for it, unfortunately, this year. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, so yeah, so that's so now I'm doing the primarily anxiety coaching for teens and parents. Well, and we all know I'm a parent of teens. Um, I I know there's, to your point, a huge need for it um, this year in particular. So let's talk about this year. Um, it's been 
triggering and stressful and anxiety provoking and exhausting and overwhelming and insert every other adjective that you can think of. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. So how as parents can we continue to help our kids through this? Because although there is a light at the end of the tunnel, we are not through it yet. And from what you've seen and the advice you've been giving, what, how can we approach this with our kids? Yeah, well, so I, I agree with everything you said. 2020 has been very triggering in so many ways, but especially for parents, it's been, I think, just this extra crazy pressure. No one knows the right answers. Um, and the important thing is to actually pay attention to those feelings, to pay attention to the emotional messages, which is something that, you know, we probably were very good at ignoring. And, you know, when we were super busy, go everybody going out into the world and just working, you know, you know, normal jobs, going to school, like what, when we stay really busy, and we're constantly have somewhere to be, we can kind of push those things down that we need to, to face. And so I say that, you know, this year has really brought us this opportunity, like a lot of people have have pointed out to slow down in some ways, even though it's still very busy at home with parents. <laughs> um, but we've been able to slow down. And the problem that I see is that people are just sort of coping and, and talking about coping strategies and, you know, how can we get through it? How can we survive, you know, rather than, okay, what is this really t trying to tell us, you know, and not necessarily COVID itself, but the whole experience of having to slow down, you know, on a micro and macro level can mean so many different things to so many people. And if we don't really stop and go, okay, what is this message? What is this emotion trying to tell me? Then we're not actually going to come out of it on the other side with a more flexible nervous system. And the that's, you know, what I teach people how to do is make your nervous system more flexible, because then in the future, you know, who knows, there may, may be another situation, the chances are there will be something, you know, again, that's very challenging in our children's lifetimes. And what we want is for them to have those sustainable skills and, you know, real understanding um, of how to how to move through tough times and not just sort of, oh, let me just get through it and watch Netflix for a year, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I say that all yeah, the time. Sorry. I say, if we're no, you're fine. Um, I say, if you if our kids are learning one thing through this, it's resilience. They're learning, especially for teenagers, you know, they've been experiencing so much disappointment and loss, you know, of the norm, right? Of the proms and the homecomings and the football games and all the things. But if there's any silver linings, and I always try and look for those, one of them I think is they're learning that life doesn't always go as planned and circumstances don't, don't always turn out the way you want them to. And you need to become flexible and, and become resilient. And so you talk about creating a more flexible nervous system. Can you describe what you mean by that? Yeah. So our nervous system is a really fascinating thing. Um, and that I, this is something that I ended up transitioning into learning about through coaching myself. So I got coaching for myself um, and became trauma informed. And this is all about the nervous system. So it, what this essentially helps you do when you learn about your nervous system is you understand what that what happened to you before, which we could just loosely call trauma for, you know, all different types, big and small, then has this permanent effect on your nervous system if you don't know how to listen to it, pay attention to it, and heal it ultimately. 
And so what that means is, for example, if something happened to me, you know, when I was a child, I got bit by a dog, right? Obviously, we know in probably less scientific terms that I'm probably going to be scared of that kind of dog going forward. But if I don't recognize that I have all these other kinds of traumas and, you know, original incidents of that have created this fear response or a nervous system trigger. And in terms of polyvagal theory, which is what I teach all of my my coaching clients and I'm trying to teach in my Facebook group is uh, there's three states of the nervous system. And when we're triggered, if we start to understand what that looks like, what that feels like, and that we are in a sympathetic state, which is pretty much what the whole world has been in this year, um, then we have this understanding of, oh, okay, but this is not because there's something wrong with me. This is not, you know, I'm just not, not handling things well, or something like that. We, we actually interpret it as, oh, this is just a mammalian instinct kicking in, in my body senses a threat. And there's all different ranges of those threats. So the when you understand, you know, how that actually works, then you are empowered to, to do something about it, you know, to, to start changing it. And, you know, I often tell parents um, to make pretty unconventional choices, um, you know, to like, make unconventional choices when it comes to schooling, when it comes to, you know, subscribing to some of those old things that we've done forever, which is, you know, let's try to keep taking SAT and ACT really seriously, even though everything's canceled and things have been really tough. And, you know, we're trying to continue kind of holding on to these things that we that really are just comfort. A lot of times because we're triggered by the change, we're triggered by, you know, all these different elements of what's going on in the world and in our own families. And if we understand it from a nervous system perspective, we can start to see, okay, this is happening to me, but it's not me. Like it's not me as a person. There's nothing, you know, fundamentally broken about me. It's actually just my body, my nervous system trying to protect me. And that's, you know, in my experience, a fundamental shift, because when you start to see that, even as adults, we don't take things on as this burden, like, you know, we have to fix it. And instead, we can recognize, okay, our kids can actually develop some resilience from these challenges. Wow. So that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot as a parent, and it's a lot to think about for our kids. I'll be completely transparent. I struggle with anxiety. I had to start seeing a counselor and or a therapist, I should say, and um, because I was really struggling with it, and I, I've struggled with it on and off my whole life, but especially during COVID, and it's hard, you know. No matter what level of anxiety you're feeling as a parent, you want to make sure you don't put that on your kids, right? So you want to make sure you can control that within yourself. Um, because, you know, if they see you and, and, and sense how you're feeling, um, they're going to take some of that on. So any advice on that for parents, how to manage their own response and their own levels of anxiety, um, as, as opposed to, you know, letting it all out there. So their teens and their kids are feeling it too. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a balance with that, I think, because I think it is important to be vulnerable with our kids and to really, you know, show them when things are tough and and not just put up a front like, you know, we've got everything handled. So sometimes they do need to know that, you know, mom or dad is not doing so great today, but they also need to see you work through it. You know, they need to see how you how you um, handle that challenge. And that's the part that we often forget to do. So we might, they might see us falling apart, but then they may not see how do how do you deal with that? 
Um, and so I, I say it's an opportunity sometimes to be vulnerable, depending on how old your kids are. Um, but also, it's the same rules across the board when it comes to the nervous system, no matter how old you are. It's deal with the body first, calm the body down first. Because if you, you know, in your experience, you may have noticed anxiety is a physiological experience. It's not just something that's happening in our mind. And that's probably the biggest misconception is that with mental health, we tend to think mental, it's in your head, it's your thoughts. And if you can just control your thoughts, you know, and think about something better, think about something more positive. Um, that's kind of impossible. You know, when you try to follow that advice, it's like, well, there must be something wrong with me because I can't do that. I can't get out of this. And instead, when you really understand it's an experience that your, your body is having, where really when you drop into the sympathetic state, your prefrontal cortex, which is that part of your brain that's logical and, you know, able to be social and creative is pretty much gone. It's offline at that moment. And it makes sense because if you were trying to escape a threat, a real threat to your life, you wouldn't really need those things, right? So your body's just like, hey, danger, keep me safe, right? And we actually should be grateful for that. We want our bodies to do that. Um, but so the answer really, sorry, I'm getting a little off track here, but the answer no, this to your is great. question, this is great. <laughs> um, so what should we do about it is first, we have to calm our physiological response. So if our heart's racing, if we're feeling, you know, the sweaty palms, the, the shaking, the, all these different symptoms of anxiety and wanting to get up and run fight or flight, we have to actually deal with that first. So that looks different for everybody, but it could be, you know, taking a bath, having some hot tea, all of the kind of, you know, things that we probably are already familiar with in terms of how to calm down, everybody has a different way. Um, but we have to do that. And then we have to take the next step, which is where did that feeling come from, right? But instead, we try to do it in the reverse. And we try to think, while we're in the middle of that physiological response, and our body is kind of panicking, we try to think, and we try to analyze it and be logical and go, Oh, where did this come from? What's the trigger and all this kind of stuff. And we do the same thing to our kids, we try to ask so many questions. And, you know, there's no reason we wouldn't know, or, or we would know any different, because I think most of us our instincts is just Oh, my gosh, what's wrong, I want to fix it, right. And we do the same things for ourselves. But when we start practicing with ourselves going, okay, calm the body first, and let it know that it's safe, and it's not going to die. Basically, it sounds extreme, but it's really true. And once you start to feel, okay, I'm back to feeling physically calm. Now, let me let me figure out where that feeling came from. What was the trigger? If I can't really figure out the trigger, I'm just going to watch for the pattern. And, you know, there's a, a misconception out there as well, that triggers are the same thing as causes. So we might identify the trigger and be like, oh, that that person sent me a text message, and that triggered me or, you know, COVID is the trigger or something like that, whatever's happening in the external world. And the truth is, yeah, that is the trigger. But then we stop there as well. We need to keep going deeper and go, what, why is this a trigger for me? Right? What's the actual cause? Because the trigger is not the same thing as the cause. And the cause is like I was talking about before that those original incidents, those traumas, or those negative experiences, they could be ongoing, they could be one time, what is the thing way back in your past that made you believe that this was a threat? And so that's where we ultimately want to get to, which is the root cause. But it all begins with calm the body down. And then you can start to sort of think, okay, what, where is this coming from? What's this emotion trying to tell me? Oh, that's 
So, right. I mean, I'm just thinking about my own experience and that's so accurate and so helpful. I mean, I know what I, how I approach it and what I've, I've learned to do. So that's really helpful. What about for teens? I mean, it's, you know, as adults, I think our brains are more fully developed. We can understand that there's something going on within our bodies and in our minds and and probably, I'm guessing, probably get a little bit better control over it. And teens, you know, their feelings, their hormones are so all over the place to begin with, and their brains are not fully developed. Is it tougher for them to get through those moments? And are there different strategies in place for them? Or is it pretty much the same? Well, I would say it's very much the same. And some of that, although there is definitely validity to the fact that their brains are developing and they have a different experience than we do, sometimes they're feeling those emotions much stronger. Um, But basically, the the nervous system part of it's exactly the same. All right. And it just, you know, as we become adults, we become a little more probably aware, and we've had the pattern for longer. So we start to recognize it as a pattern. And a lot of it is, you know, it's that education. It's it's really, if we've been told one thing from the time we were, you know, 10 or 15 years old, and now we're 35, and it's like, okay, I've, I'm going to believe that I just have anxiety, or I am this way, or whatever I was told, right? And so if we instead educate our kids on, okay, you know, what if this is not something that's wrong with you, right? Your none of your emotions, your negative experiences are something that is bad or wrong with you. And unfortunately, our culture just teaches the opposite that we should run from those things, cover them up, take away the triggers, and then everything will be fine. And, you know, we need to start teaching our kids how to process those negative emotions and and triggers. And so no, it's really not any different for teenagers. It's it's different in the sense that they need to be educated, perhaps in an easier way, you know, sometimes they're they're going to be a little resistant to that education and in, in this, the sense of, you know, learning about the nervous system, like an adult may be more, you know, prone to sitting down and reading a book about it or something. But with teenagers, I just like to give them very easy, um, you know, references. So I use the traffic light for the three states of the nervous system, things like that, that are very simple. And basically, we talk about are you in red, yellow or green, you know, yellow is anxiety. And so we kind of we learn about it, but in a way that's not like school, and it's not super boring. And um, but once they understand that, you'd be amazed at, you know, that a kid who's 13 or 14 years old can then actually learn to self-regulate. And sometimes we can't do that at, you know, 40, 50 years old. So it's, it's pretty amazing to watch that it really is the same. But, you know, like I said, the learning process has to be perhaps a little different. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child. 
and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. So teens have trouble sharing their feelings on a regular day. Well, my teens do anyway. Um, and when they're not in an anxious state or, you know, very feeling very worked up and to get them to communicate can be tough. And then I can imagine that when they're feeling more anxious and worried and, and stressed, that they would kind of go inside themselves even more, right? Like their initial response is, I don't want to share. Maybe they're embarrassed about their feelings or they don't feel comfortable talking about them. Is there anything we can do as parents when they're not in an anxious state to kind of pave the way so when they are, you know, they know that they feel safe and and know how to go about communicating that to us? Yeah. So I'm glad you, you mentioned that when they're not in an anxious state, because oftentimes we don't really think about this until they've been triggered, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, overall, what is healing to the nervous system and to original traumas is actually emotional safety. And so a lot of people may not really understand what that means. You know, we're like, okay, I'm safe. I'm not going to die. What's wrong? I don't, I don't understand. But emotional safety is that thing that you feel with people who make you feel like you're not being judged at all. They're not trying to fix your problems and they just sit with you or they just validate your emotions, you know, and they just like, yeah, man, that's, that's a tough thing to go through. You know, those kinds of friends, those people that we want to call because we know they're not going to try to just tell us what to do. Right. But unfortunately, sometimes parents are not that person. Um, and, you know, it's very, very hard to do this. It's very hard to switch over, especially if you have a teenager, you know, they're going through something and you really want to be that person. You want to be there for them. But it takes time. Right. You have to develop emotional safety, which means that you can't just try to fix the problem. You can, and, you know, as much as we want to. The other thing is you have to really transition to that body calming down and listening, right? So if their body doesn't need to calm down, great. They're already in a state where they can, they can talk to you, but you need to be the one who's listening, right? You need to be the one who's just sometimes allowing them to bring the conversation up, right? Sometimes we have an agenda when we sit down and talk with our kids and like, oh, now would be a great time to bring up this big, deep thing. <laughs> and it's like, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be so rehearsed. And oftentimes the best conversations and the, the emotional safety is, is actually created in those moments when you're vulnerable with them, or you don't really expect it, you don't see it coming. And you're like sitting in the car, or you know, you're just having this casual experience, casual conversation with your child. So don't overthink it too much. But also really, when you try to when you catch yourself about to give an instruction, or you know, some, some advice, unless they have explicitly asked for it, or kind of, you know, dr drawn you to that conversation, I would say, try to do more listening than talking. Um, and then the other thing is just never stop giving them physical affection when they are teenagers, because actually emotional safety is derived first from physical safety, right? So makes sense. Like we have to feel physically safe in our household and with our parents. They're the ones that put a roof over our heads, right? We, some of that emotional safety with them comes from us feeling like, oh, they're keeping me alive, right? They're taking care of me so I can trust them. So sometimes with our teenagers, we start to think, well, they don't want me to hug them. They don't want me to, you know, to touch them. We, we, we just stop doing those little things like kind of touching their hair or kissing their forehead or, you know, those things we do when they're little. And the truth is they need it 
more. They need it just as much, if not more, when they're teenagers. And that just consistent physical affection in whatever way they allow you to, not in a you know intrusive way, but just kind of like touching them on the shoulder as you walk by, things like that, will set that'll set the the tone and pave the way towards this emotional connection. And you know that affection really says more than you think. Um, so that that's another thing I would say is just you know I sometimes forget too with my older kids that they need the physical stuff just as much as we do. That's really good advice. And yeah, mine mine duck away from me sometimes when I try and hug them and I chase them down. I'm sure they love that. But um, yeah, I mean, as parents, we want to fix it. We want to make it all better. And we want, I say we, I'm talking about me, but I want answers. Like when something's, when they come home and something's bugging them, clearly something's bugging them. I want to know what it is because my immediate, immediately my mind goes to the, how can I fix it? How can I make it better for them? How can I make it easier for them? So, and I know that I should be a better listener and listen more and talk less, but I need to work on that. So that's a good reminder. Thank you. <laughs> well, the difficult thing about that is that if we haven't been given that model ourselves, you know, like sometimes nobody was really there for us in that way. So we're all kind of doing something new as parents. And, you know, sometimes or many times, I would say a lot of our our unconscious beliefs just surface when we're parents and our unconscious patterns from our own family and our own parents. And, you know, we have to bring those to the surface and notice them and not feel guilty about them. So that's the really important part is, you know, I, I have to sometimes deliver un- uncomfortable news to parents. And I always start by telling them, look, you know, there, you can start over like redemption with your kids is possible, especially as teenagers, even though we kind of think of it the other way. Um, and what's so cool about starting to understand your nervous system and your emotions and what are these messages telling me and really learning how to, to self-regulate yourself is that you start to have more compassion for your kids and you start to realize we're the same in, in all of these ways and in, in very human ways, even though as teens, you know, and our culture, I think kind of promotes this idea that teenagers are like this breed of, you know, craziness that like, they're just all these words, right? Dramatic and uh, selfish and all these things. And if we, when we start to go, wait a minute, am I believing that about my own kid? And you, you really look within you about, you know, what is this? What is the need that I have to make sure my kid's not that kind of teenager or what's the need that I have to, to fix the problem, right? It's always about us. It comes back to us. Just like when they're yelling or screaming or doing something we don't like, it comes back to them, right? It's not the external that's the problem. It's the internal. So we have to model it first. And that's probably the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you are doing a lot of great work in your Facebook group. Do you want to talk about that so parents know what's there and where they can find it? Sure. Yeah, I would love to have people join. Um, So it's called Big Bad Breakthrough and the subtitle Parents Healing Teen Anxiety. So um, the business is Big Bad Brainery and the group is Big Bad Breakthrough. You can tell I like alliteration. but (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I call it that because the method that I use with with Uh, my coaching clients is the big bad breakthrough method, which is four steps. And so I try to kind of pre educate people in the group about that. And kind of, you know, it's a I think it's a mostly educational group. But it's also hopefully as it grows, it's going to become more of a safe space, a place where people can go to feel comfortable talking about these emotional things. Um, Because I know, 
these are big and heavy things. You know, it's not something you really want to always just post on your main timeline on Facebook or anywhere else. Um, and so it's, I think it's, you know, important for us to have those support systems. So trying to build one, but yeah, I would love to have anybody um, who does have teens or will have teens soon to join us. So yeah, that's a great, a great resource for parents. I find more and more that the groups I go to more and get more value out of are the ones with other parents in the same life stage and situation as I am. And there's a number of them that I'm in um, that really help me. And, you know, I've had multiple conversations with you and I know that you are all about helping parents of teens as I am and, and your intentions are, you're passionate about it and you're really intentional about it. So I think, I think that's great for parents to consider. I will put the link to that group and to your website in the show notes. Um, anywhere else you want people to find and follow you? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram at Big Bad Brainery. So probably not over there as often as I am on Facebook, but <laughs> I try to be. Um, and yeah, just my website, bigbadbrainery.com. Okay. Any last uh, pieces of advice or thoughts for parents? Well, I would just say that it's really important to tune into yourself, you know, before, like we do a lot of thinking about how do I help my kid? What can I do for them? And sometimes it's not so much about what you can do and like some, you know, big new thing that you can try out. It's often just center yourself, right? It's very simple. It's just take a breath before you go to talk to your child, you know, or before they get in the car after school, you know, what state am I in? Because if I'm in a, whether it's an anxious state or some other, you know, something's bothering me and I've been triggered, probably not the best time, you know, to try to have a deep conversation. And so self-regulation, the more you can learn about that, the better your child is going to be because, or better off they're going to be because they're going to have that consistent safety with you. And you're going to show up as that, that person that can hold space for them. So it's all about us first. And unfortunately, because I know that's not what people want to hear. <laughs> well, and it's also like what they say on the airplane, right? Put your oxygen mask on first so you can help the people around you. It's kind of the same situation, right? It's so true. Because if, if our kids have that safety with us and at home, anything could be happening in the world, whether it's COVID or whatever else. And they always have someplace to, to feel safe. Yeah. Excellent advice. Yeah. Well, everybody... Be sure and go back and listen to episode eight with Chelsea too, because that was a fantastic episode, chock full of great information. And thanks again for being here, Chelsea, for coming back and joining me again. This was super helpful. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me back. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would share it with a friend or two. The more that listen, download and share, the better others will be able to find it. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. If you have any topics or guests that you'd like me to bring onto the show, I welcome your suggestions. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found on the show notes page on my website. The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.
Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of Driven Living.